Mary, did you know that your baby boy was Lord of all creation? Did you know that your baby boy will one day rule the nation? Let's stand and take our Bibles together. If you're still wondering where I'm turning to, it's the book of Luke, chapter 2. Mary, I want to speak tonight, and I, this is your title, Brother Mark, Inspired Motherhood. Inspired Motherhood. And I am, I am very nervous. I... I'm just to have a young family, but we're just going to take this as the mind of the Lord. I trust it's a blessing to you at home, and I want to take it more of a, as a drama tonight and allow the Lord to unfold it. And Maybe as you're sitting at home in your comfortable seats, as Brother Ed said this morning, you can just... Sit back and, and just imagine and begin to go on this drama with me. Luke chapter 2, verse 39. says, And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee and to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year for the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. Let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to invite you, Lord, to think, Lord, of that, that song and just the words. Did Mary even know that when she was kissing the face of her precious baby boy, that was the I am that I am. That was the Almighty God that humbled himself and come down as a baby, even as an embryo, just in the womb, as, and to go through to be birthed, Lord, and in a stable, in a manger, and to be laid on the chest of a woman, and to nurse strength from her. Lord, how wonderful you are, that you would humble yourself in such a way to come down, Lord, and show that you loved us, Lord. That you would come to take our place where we ought to have died on the cross. But Lord, you raised up, Lord, and you grew up in a home much like any home of the day. 
And Lord Jesus, we ask, Lord, that you just help us, Lord, as we go through the drama that you laid on my heart, Lord, that it would just be according to your will. Lord, may you open eyes, Lord, and Father, encourage the downtrodden. Lord, as I even prayed in my car, I'm terrified tonight. I don't really know which way it's going to go, but Father, would you come and have your way? I need you tonight, Lord. We might just be a few here, but there's many streaming in, Lord. Go to their homes, oh God, where they're at, Lord Jesus. Meet them in their rooms, Lord God. Meet them in their living rooms, Father. That, Lord Jesus, you would be the same here as you are there, oh God. Lord Jesus, we know that you're not hindered by space, for you're an omnipresent God. Because you're omniscient, Lord Jesus, you know the thoughts that each one is thinking. You know the thoughts of each one that's here. You know where you're welcome, and you will go where you are welcome. You said if we draw nigh unto you, you draw nigh unto us, Lord. And Father, we've come with an open heart. We've come, Lord Jesus, throwing open the door to say, Welcome, Holy Spirit. We want to commune with you afresh tonight. Lord Jesus, we commit ourselves into your hands, and I pray that you would just bless the mothers, Lord, that are here and that are listening. Lord, the ones, Lord, may you restore real motherhood, Lord Jesus. May you inspire them, Lord Jesus, as they would raise their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Father, we commit these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You may have your, your seats if you like, and... Perhaps it would seem a strange uh, text to take uh, from here and just read four verses. But really, I want to take a notice that Mary in the flesh being the mother of Jesus in the flesh. That she was given a role to be the mother. It wasn't that it was her egg or that it was in her, but she was a borrowed womb. We know these things. And she was, she was borrowed in that way, and really it was a spoken word baby. Because it was an angel of the Lord that came down and said, Behold, a child, the Holy Ghost will overshadow you. And you'll conceive a child, and he'll be called uh, Emmanuel, and he'll be God with us, and it'll be a wonderful thing. And as, as she began to ponder on these things, but it wasn't her baby, so to speak. But yet it was her baby because she was given the role. She was given a job. She was given a purpose to be a mother. And there was something within her that would, that would, that would begin to come out of her as any woman has in her a God-made uh, God sense that is a, a mother sense that she, she wants to be a mother. A woman desires to be a mother. She desires uh, to raise children. And she desires to be loving in that way. And we find Brother Brown we even talk about it in the day that we live in because women don't want to have children. They'll find a dog to mother or a cat to mother, some other thing to mother, or they'll treat their husband like it's their child. We know that's how it happens sometimes today. But really, it's because something's in a woman. She wants to be a mother. She wants to love something, nurture something, raise something in a certain way because God put that in her. And now God found this little girl by the name of Mary as she was just a virgin. And I'm sure, as Brother Bannon would tell in a drama about Mary and Joseph, how that they would begin to talk about the Word and how they would find where it would say, Behold, a virgin shall conceive. And they would begin to talk about these things and they would begin to think about it as a virgin would conceive. And they would say, what kind of a woman must, must this woman be? Maybe she's of a royal line. Maybe she's not. Maybe it's somebody simple, Mary would say. Somebody like me who's just poor and is just a simple individual. I don't have very much, but I'm a virgin. 
And it doesn't lay out a lot of requirements. It just lays out one. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. And then and they begin to ponder on these things. And we know that then there came the visitation of the angel. And these wonderful words. And I'm sure after that visitation where Mary said, Be it unto me according to thy word. She had the right attitude. But those things, they begin to, to, to meditate in her mind. She began to think upon them over and over. And easier even as the life within her began to grow. And as mothers do when they're pregnant, they begin to expand. And as that began to happen, she still began to think upon the thoughts that was put in her mind by the angel of the Lord. When the angel would come and the angel would say, you, you, the Holy Ghost will overshadow you. And now the life began to take form. And she would come down to Elizabeth's house. And Elizabeth would say, I'm of child too. And we know that the first time the name of Jesus was ever spoken. Because it told her his name would be Jesus. And she said, I had to call his name Jesus. And right there the Holy Ghost dropped in the womb of Elizabeth and filled little John. And he began to jump and he began to leap just in the womb. When he was just a bunch of muscles and nerves, they began to kick and scream because there was something, a quickening power that was anointing them. And they couldn't help it because the name of Jesus brings that kind of an effect when it's really believed as to what it is. And now as, as she had this visitation with Elizabeth and she would go back and we find, we know the story, how she would go down to Bethlehem and the baby would be born there in a manger. But I want you to imagine for a moment as the baby is born and, she, and, the, and, and Joseph would take it and Joseph would place it in, in the arms of Mary. And there was Mary and she would hold this little baby. And it was just a little infant. There wasn't really much to look at. But as every mother looks at it, says, my baby's the cutest thing in the world. And she began to hold it and she began to cuddle it and it began to nurse. And oh, it was just a wonderful time in a stable. But to her, this was the most precious thing. This was the most precious thing that she'd ever laid eyes on. And it was much greater than she'd ever imagined. That she didn't probably realize exactly what was happening at that moment. That she was holding God in her arms. That she was holding the I am in her arms. That she was holding the Lord Jesus Christ. The anointed Lamb of God in her arms. That she would hold him there. But to her, it was just her little boy. And perhaps at this time, after we'd gone through and we read how they'd done all that the law commanded. I want to just drop in here. That's a good mother. She did all that the law had commanded. She didn't leave anything out. She didn't say this isn't important, that's not important. She did everything that God required of her. She made sure she laid all of the groundwork that her son would have an opportunity to be as close to God as he could. She made sure that she was doing her part to make sure her child was going to get an opportunity to be a good Jew, to be a good son, to be a good teacher, that if he was going to be a rabbi, if he was going to be the son of God, she was doing every step she could possibly take. She was very careful that she followed every step of the law of the way to make sure she didn't leave anything out. The Bible records they did, they did, they did all that the law required. They did all of it. She didn't leave a single portion out. And I believe that's a real mother, that she wouldn't just leave it to chance. 
but rather she would take it and she was inspired because if this was the Son of God, I was going to do everything that the Word of God required of me. Forgive me, it's just exciting in me, and I'm, I'm, I'm screaming a lot, but it records they were faithful to all the law, and they came every year to the Passover. Perhaps after the words of Simeon and the words of Anna, she would have liked to have run away. Perhaps after though she heard that Herod had desired to kill everyone under all the boys under two years old that was born there, that she would have desired to stay down in Egypt. Say with me. This is the love of a mother. This is her baby boy. She's already had the king of her nation try to kill him. And the love of a mother began to intervene. And perhaps she would have liked to just run away and hide somewhere over in the eastern parts of the world and say, this is just my boy and I don't want anything, anybody to hurt him. He's my baby. But there was something in her that was desiring something greater. That she recognized that this was a child of the Holy Spirit. And I have to do what the Holy Spirit is leading me to do. Regardless of how I feel in myself. And so instead they came every year to the Passover. And when he was 12 years old they came again to the Passover. And I'm sure as a mother, as the scripture records, that, 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 that he, was, he, he waxed strong in the spirit. And he was filled with wisdom. And the grace of God was upon him. That's from the age of zero to 12. What a proud moment for a mother. Say, my little boy, he's, he's strong in the spirit. He's full of wisdom. My, he's got the grace, the favor of God is upon him. What a moment of pride for her as her heart would swell and she would think, my, God is just in control. And they were there at the Passover and there was a testimony of the grace of God in her life that I'm sure she rehearsed it to Jesus. It wasn't something that she kept hid in the closet. She didn't want him to believe and say, oh, listen, you're just the son of me and Joseph. You're just a product of us. No, she had a promise. She had a visitation of an angel. It was real to her. And she would share this testimony with him over and over. And even though he had an all-knowing nature as he was God in flesh, the love of a mother would have constrained her to do these things. The love of a mother would constrain the mother to raise a child in a loving way. And if a mother really loves the Lord... It's the love of God that constrains her. I want to just fast forward as they would come every year to the Passover. Perhaps they would pick up the scroll and they would read. Oh my, and they would read about the lamb that was slain. And they would read about the blood that was put upon the doorpost and the blood that was on the lintel. And there was something in Mary that perhaps her heart would just begin beating up in her throat and she just could hardly contain herself. And she thought, oh God, is this really my son? Is this really what he is? And they would perhaps read about the atonement in Isaiah 53. And something would well up within her. She could hardly constrain herself as she sat there. Could this really be the one?
she tried to convince herself that night of Psalms chapter 2 and verse 6. Where it says, yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion, I will declare a decree. And the Lord has said unto me, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee, ask of me. And I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance in the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, thou shalt dash them into pieces with the, like the potter's vessel. Perhaps Mary sitting there as the priest would begin to teach and say, this is the Messiah that's come. He's going to drive out the Romans. And she would try and convince herself that, yeah, that's my son. He's going to drive out the Romans. He's going to rise up. He's going to be someone. But something in her would keep welling up every time I started talking about a sacrifice. Every time I started talking about he was beaten, he was bruised. It pleased the Lord. And it would just well up in her. She said, it can't be. That's my baby. Surely, it would be her son that would just have the rod of iron. It would be her son, the Most High. He was Emmanuel, God with us. That's what it said in Isaiah, a virgin shall conceive, he'll be Emmanuel. That's what it said, surely this would be the time. Even what John was preaching when John in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11 would say, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh unto me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He would baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hands, and he will thoroughly purge his floor, and he will gather wheat into a garner, and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. As a mother of mine, she'd think in her love, I want him to raise up to that kind of level. I don't, I don't want to have to see him die. I just want to have to see him come to that. Where he's the king and my son is going to be the, he's God, he's the son of God. He's going to be the king, he's going to be everything. It would be so easy to convince herself of that. But if she would have just, she probably never thought for a moment that, that after she she had come, he'd come to a place of maturity and it was time for him to begin his ministry and she would come to him and say, we're out of wine. We're out of wine. And he'd say, well, it's not my, my time. What have I to do with this? And, and she turns to the servants and we, we've read it a couple Sundays ago, but where she comes and she says, you know, do whatever this man tells you and he turns the water into wine. And I'm sure had she thought for a moment what it was really going to come to pass just three and a half years later. She might have held her peace. The love of a mother would have constrained her to say, but I don't want that to happen, so I'm just going to stand back and I'll let God do everything. But she had a part to play. She was given a job. She never thought of Psalms 22. And I may tell all my bones, they look and they stare upon me. They part my garments among them. They cast lots for my vesture. I can think of her there in the synagogues as she would listen to the services. And Simeon's words would just ring in her ears. As Simeon would say in Luke chapter 2 and 34, And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. And for a sign that shall be spoken against. She didn't understand all this. But it was ringing in her ears all of her life. What does this mean? What does this mean? 
And he would even say, yea, a sword shall pierce through thy soul, thy own soul also. Not understanding that as a mother, what it would be like to watch her son. Like a sword right through her own soul. As she stood there, the one who'd raised the Lord Jesus, the one who loved him as a mother, she stood there one day at the cross. As she stood there looking up and beholding the cross, beholding what she would look at and say, my baby. She could think back of all the memories the first time he tripped and fell. She'd picked him up the first time he'd stubbed his toe and she'd consoled him. The first time he'd hit his head. The first time he'd cut himself open and bled. And here he was with a crown of thorns and blood flowing down. Nails in each of his hands and through his feet. And she stood there for hours. And as she stood there... To hear these words, woman, behold thy son. And it turned to his disciple, John, John, son, behold thy mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home as his own. And to sit there and hear him say in that raspy voice as he hung there and just beginning to suffocate. He said, I thirst. I thirst. And to watch that Roman soldier take a sponge and dip it in gall vinegar, put it on a stick and hold it up, but he wouldn't drink it. That he would pull himself up with the last bit of strength and cry out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And here stands his little mother, my baby. She was inspired to do what she did. It wasn't a motherhood like usual, but it was a motherhood of an example. Say, this is how what it's like to raise Jesus Christ. There comes a point where you've got to let go. There comes a point where you've got to realize this ain't my son. This is the son of the living God. What about mothers today that are raising little messiahs? What about mothers today that are raising sons and daughters of God? You've got a solemn, a sacred vow to God. You've got motherhood that is sacred before God to say, what am I raising? They're not just children that I'm raising to the world that, well, if they're predestined, they'll just turn out anyway. But there comes a time when you've got to recognize these are my children. These are God's children. 
And as she would look up, and perhaps just come closer to the cross and just kneel down and begin to weep. Just hear those little words. It is finished. There's not a lot of people that heard those words. You had to be close enough. You had to be close enough to the cross. It wasn't a big cry. It was something that he just cried out. It is finished. And to witness her own son, innocent, die the worst of deaths without the Holy Spirit in her to understand the depths of what's happening. She didn't have the comforter yet. She couldn't understand what was going on. It was just her baby. Why did he have to go through this persecution? She wasn't even privy at this time to what had happened in the garden. She just seen him and he was whipped. He was scourged. They put the crown on him. They mocked him. They beat him. Some of it was done behind closed doors. And what she didn't even know, then they'd bring him out again worse. And it just break her. And as that child and the Lord Jesus Christ, if he'd finally give his final breath, and that cruel Roman soldier take that hammer and break the legs of the one, go over to the other and break the legs of the other, a blood drunk soldier, and come up to the Lord. Realizes he's already dead. He take a spear. And he drive that spear up his side for his own mother to watch water and blood. The grief. It's a lot of emotion. Motherhood is a lot of emotion. There's a lot of highs and there's a lot of lows. There's a lot of mountains and there's a lot of valleys. You don't have control over every little aspect of that child's life. But yet there's something you have that at that moment Mary didn't have. It is called the comforter. It's called the Holy Spirit in you. So that you can look to God and you can begin to realize he's the one that's in control. It's for a purpose. I want to maybe a strange place to do it, but I want to turn a corner. If you open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 15, I want to look at another mother. Verse 21. And it would talk about this woman, the Canaanite woman. And Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the coast of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. I want you to notice she's not here for herself. 
This isn't a personal thing where she's saying, it's me, I've got sickness, i got to just seek him. My daughter, the love of a mother had constrained her in such a way where she was willing to go through this humiliation. Where Jade Henny answered her, not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, send her away, for she crieth after us. And he answered and said, I am not sent unto you, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And she came and worshipped him. Talk about the love of a mother. She'd just been humiliated. She was ignored. The only time he even addressed her was when his disciples came to him and said, send her away. Get rid of this nuisance. And he answered and said, it is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Wow. And Jesus said, and she said, truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Oh Lord, we need mothers like that today. That's willing to press through for their children. That's willing to press through no matter what happens around them, no matter how bad it seems. If they've got a need in their home, they're willing to make it through to Jesus. Not just for the physical needs, though that is important, but also pressing through for their souls. Mothers that were willing to press through and pray on their knees until they touch God on the behalf of their children. I need to think about Rahab for a moment. Brother Branham would dramatize in the message the token. How she was stuck there in Jericho. A prostitute, a harlot. And she was hearing the mighty wonders of Jehovah. She'd heard what had happened in Egypt. She'd heard about the Red Sea. She'd heard about the crossing over of the Jordan. And something in her was welling up. She had a little seed of God in her in her. That she recognized this was more than just another passing by problem. This was a reality. She had two believers come by her way. Two real men. Brother Branham says maybe they were tape boys. It didn't matter to her what the latest trends of the day were. It didn't matter to her what everyone was saying you should be doing. It didn't matter to her that they said, we got great walled cities, we'll be fine. We can run chariot races around these walls. We got a great army, we got chariots, they got nothing. We're a great army, but to her, she was looking and something inside of her was welling up saying, but this is real. But this I've never seen before, but this is a real God. We've had gods, we've had gods, we've had preachers, we've had all kinds of prophets and priests. But this, it makes it real. When she heard the message of the hour, everything else became secondary to that token. Everything else, it didn't matter her friend's opinions. Her friends might have come in and said, that decor in the window, that's ugly, take it down. 
It didn't matter to her. She had, what mattered was the token was applied. It didn't matter to her what her parents, what her family said. She said, you just got to be in this home because this is reality. Oh, my, we find out she had such a testimony, such faith. She caught the eye of one of the generals of the message of the hour. One of the great men that was there. He was a general in Joshua's army, Salmon. And she caught his eye where he said, that's a real woman. That's a woman I want to be the mother of my children. And in saying that, she became the mother of a very famous man. A wealthy man named Mo, Boaz. We know the story of Boaz. How that he became and he, he, he got a wife who was a Moabitess. Oh my. His father married a woman of Jericho. Now here he marries. Why the world's looking at it going, my. What kind of a family is that? They could talk him in the back all they wanted, but they had a token. And that token wasn't just for when they were in Jericho. That token was for when it took them right into the promised land. It took them to their inheritance. And it gave them a son. And that son had another famous son through Ruth. His name was Jesse. And Jesse had eight sons. Oh my. These sons, their great-grandmother had a great testimony that she would have rehearsed in the ears of them, in the ears of Boaz, in the ears of Jesse, to say, remember, I was of Jericho, and I was not a very good woman, but God came by my way. Remember, God took me out of a sinful city. God changed me without him. I'm nothing. And he had Ruth. They had Ruth in their lineage where she would re rehearse in the ears of, uh, of Jesse and she would rehearse in the ears of, of Eliab in the ears of Shammah in the ears of, of David where she would rehearse about how God had taken her out of the land of Moab and gave her an inheritance beyond what she could ever imagine. What a testimony. Inspired motherhood. And out of all that, there came eight boys. Every one of them, the prophet of God in that day by the name of Samuel said, this would make a great king. This would make a great king. This one would make a great king. This one would make a great king. I want to talk about a real mother. That raised enough boys that he said, oh, here's the biggest, strongest Eliab. He'd make a great king, the prophet of the hour. Could you imagine mothers? That if you had the brother Branham come down to your home and look one of your sons and said, he'd make a great preacher. That mother's heart would go, yes, I did it. Praise God. The messenger to my age said that my sons were raised right. He was the messenger to that age, the open vision of Samuel. that came and said, this one would make a good one. And all the way down to the last one. But finally, at the last one, God says, that's a man after my own heart. Whew. He had a lineage of mothers. See, what about the fathers? The fathers were great men. And they were great high priests of their home. And they absolutely played a part. But without a mother to raise them as the fifth gospel. 
to teach them when they were just boys, little boys, and to raise them and teach them in the ways of the Lord and take them onto their laps and begin to tell them about what happened in Egypt, begin to tell them about how God had brought them out with a mighty hand, begin to tell them about God had delivered them out of Jericho, and begin to tell them about God delivered them out of Moab, and begin to tell them all of these testimonies. What were they rehearsing? It was the Word of God. It was the living Word of God. See, Brother Andrew, I don't even have a testimony, hardly. If you've ever met Jesus, you have a testimony. If you've ever met him, you got something to see your children and your children's children on your knee and say, let me tell you how God met me. Let me tell you how I met the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me rehearse to you the living word of God today. Not just motherhood of something past, but motherhood of today that's inspired. There was two mothers in 2 Kings chapter 4. Brother John had preached about them on Friday, and it was an awesome service. God bless you, Brother John. 2 Kings chapter, chapter 4, verse 1, would record how a mother said, And there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord. Oh, my she was, she was a part of a good home. But as she said, And the creditor has come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in thine house? And she said, Thy handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. It didn't look like, it didn't look like she had anything to save her sons. She was coming to the message of the hour in her day because she looked like to her, her sons were about to go under slavery. They were about to be sold. They were about to go under what she could not save them from. It was out of her control. It was spiraling in a way that she realized, I can't do anything. My, my husband was a good man. He feared the Lord, but he's gone. I can't turn to him. Where do I go? She came to the word for her day. She came to the prophet of the hour. She came to Elisha. And he said, what do you got? She said, all I've got is this one pot of oil. <laughs> As a mother, you might be so worn down by the pressures of raising children today. That you might feel like, if you're streaming in, listen, you might feel like all I've got left is just this one little experience. All I've got left is just this one little pot of oil. All I've got left is just a little bit of the oil of the Holy Ghost left. I don't have anything else. Yeah. That's enough. Because yeah. this woman, that's all she had. But Elisha began to tell her, you better go and get every jar you can find. You better go and get everything empty because it's about to be filled. It might feel like you don't have time for a lot of devotion or your spiritual life has slipped because it's busy as a mother, it's tiring. They wake up in the night, you can't hardly get up in the morning and then you gotta go and you gotta prepare breakfast for them and you got a screaming baby in the background and something else is happening over here and this one's uh, making a mess over there while you're trying to clean up the mess over there. 
And it seems like I could never get ahead. I got nothing left. I don't have any time to stop and pray. But if you just got a little bit. Because it's at the time when you're at the lowest. This little cruise of oil was enough to save her children from the cruel slavery of sin. That little prayer of a mother was enough. And it's when you're at your lowest time and you can't go on. Just go to God and watch him perform a miracle on your behalf. On your behalf. We need mothers like that today. Who aren't afraid to take what little they have left and stand on the word of God and let every other opinion fall away. Let every other trend of the day fall away. Let every other idea of psychology on how to raise children, let it fall away. Because when it comes down to the darkest hour, there is one God. When it comes to the point when it's out of your hands and you don't know what to do, there is a God. You just take that little face, mix it with the oil of the Holy Spirit, and watch God move. And when God moves, he really moves. Let me tell you, Mary thought it was over. Mary thought this was it. She thought, my baby, he's dead. How could they do this? I thought he was to be the king of Israel. I thought he was going to raise up. And with a rod of iron, he was going to drive these Romans out. And the Romans are killing him. Oh, my. But here in this moment when she thought all was lost, what was really happening? God was moving. Outside of her field of vision, God was down in hell. Jesus went down into hell and he redeemed. He brought our sin with him. He brought her sin. The one that she shot, she had delivered into the world, was about to deliver the world. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. You might be looking saying, my child, my son, my daughter, they're in the worst of places. I don't know how it can ever happen. I don't know how God could ever pull them out of this. Just take your little faith. Mix it with the Holy Spirit that's in you and hold on. Hold on. There was another woman in the same book in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 27. We know the story of the Shulamite woman. How when she finally come and uh, she made a place for Elisha in her home and, and, and he, got, he said uh, he promised her a son and she had a son and the son was out in the field and he had a, had a heat stroke and he eventually died. And finally she laid him on the bed of the prophet. And as he laid there on the bed of the prophet, she went and she rode quickly to the prophet. And when she'd come to the man of God, verse 27, when she'd come to the man of God to the hill, she caught him by the feet. Oh my But Gehazi came near to thrust her away, but the man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her. It'll be like Mary, where Simeon said, a sword will pierce thy soul. Her soul was so vexed, her son had died. The promised son that she'd been given had died. And now she comes to this place where he says, her soul is vexed, and the Lord hath hid it from me and hath not told me. 
Then she said, did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? What did she begin to bring? She brought the word mixed with her experience with God. Her experience where she said, don't deceive me. When he said, you'll have a son according to the time of life. And finally, she comes down and she has the son. But what did she tell him? When, when, if, if we go back, let me just go back into Second Kings, sorry. Just to properly read it. There it is, 2 Kings chapter 4. And he said, what is that? What then is to be done for her? And he called her in verse 15 and said, and when he had called her, she stood in the door. And verse 16 said, and he said, about this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie to thy handmaid. It was something in her. It wasn't that she said, no, I don't believe it. But it was such a great thought. It was so good to her. It was so euphoric to her that she recognized, how can these things be? It's a little bit like the Christian experience when you begin, when you come to a place of justification, when you come to a place of sanctification, when he finally fills you with his spirit, it creates such a feeling within you. How can it be? Why me, Lord? I don't deserve this. But you chose me. What was she doing when she finally came to him? She said, Lord, didn't I say, I don't want this life. How can you choose me for this life? It's a hard life. And in verse 29, see, then he said unto Gehazi, gird up thy loins. Take my staff in thine hand, go thy way. If thou meet any man, salute him not. If any salute thee, answer him not again, and lay my staff upon the face of the child. At this point, many people would have said, good enough. That seems sincere, that seems right, that seems just. But she wasn't interested in just a servant. She wasn't interested in just a man. She wasn't interested in a sign. She wasn't interested in a staff. She wasn't interested in just a good time. She wasn't interested in emotion. She knew the experience that she had was grounded and based in the words of the prophet. And the mothers of the child said, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And he arose and he followed her. And we know the story of how it was. What gave life to that little child? It was the message of the hour. What a mother. She didn't walk away and say, well, I tried. I had faith, and now look at where it got me. I had faith, and now I had a son, and now it just brought me a whole lot of grief. What was the point? You know what? Rip that house down. He's not welcome here anymore. She'd had a deeper experience than that. She knew that he was a present help in a time of trouble. She ran to that source. A mother that was willing to press through. The love in her heart that brought her to a place of desperation. She would not leave the message for her day to seek after some other thing. Yeah. 
She wouldn't leave the message. She wouldn't leave the Word of God to seek after some other way to say maybe there's something else that can help me today. No, she knew the experience she had that all I have need of is in Christ. She held her token and said, I'm staying right here with you. But the says in the message of token, he says, now, watch fully, full obedience to the word of God entitles you to the token. He says, and when we pray, we must have the token to present with our prayer. If you say, I pray, but I really haven't, well, you don't, just might as well stop. Just stop right there. Oh, my He says, you got to first get the token because the token is what he'll recognize. Now listen, mothers, it's not about I'm living on top of the world. It's if I just got a little pot of oil. If there's just a little bit left, I know that my Redeemer lives and that's all you can say. That's enough of a token. He says, when we pray, we must present the token. Lord, I've obeyed you fully. I've repented of my sins. I feel that you've forgiven me. I've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is upon me. Now I have a certain thing for your glory. Think about that. I've repented of my sins. That's the obedience. I believe you've forgiven me. Which let me tell you, as soon as you come in, in repentance and a contrite and a broken spirit, it's over. I've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is upon me. How much of it? Just a little oil. Now I have need of a certain thing. For whose glory? For your glory, Lord. Lord, I ask it, it's mine now. Then there is something anchors back there. It's yours. It's over. It's all over. It's all over. It's settled. See how simple that is? Like the woman with the pot where she just came, all I've got is a little bit of oil. That was enough. It was over right there. She just began to take the word of the Lord mixed with faith and she just began to pour it in. Pour into that jar. And start pouring into that jar. And that jar is bigger than this jar, but yet it still fills that jar. And then just pour into that jar and pour into that jar. And it didn't matter how many opinions came by her way and said, listen, it's too late. We're way too late. Your children can't be saved. They've gone too far. There's not enough time to sell all that oil. What's the point of trying anyways? Just take that you're free and let your sons go. She didn't take any of those opinions. She took the word of God over every opinion of the age. And she recognized that God is long-suffering to us word. That he would be willing to stop the sun and to stop the moon just so that you could save your children. I'd like to touch on one more mother, if I could. A woman to whom God came to. She wasn't raised in a believing home. She was raised... 
in a denominational background. She was raised up. She would be what we consider today a tomboy. She wasn't like we would look at and say that's a real lady. No, she was raised as a tomboy, but she was still something in her, even at that attitude, still desired to be a mother. And this woman always wanted a large family. And she raised many children. And I'll say this, this woman, she spent more time creating a godly atmosphere in her home than she did cleaning it. She spent more effort creating a godly atmosphere even though she spent a lot of time cleaning. Even in those cleanings, she was humming to herself. She was singing. She was thinking on the things of the Lord. She was praying within herself. She was waiting on God to create an atmosphere in her home. Say her husband was a pastor. And he was always busy with the things of the Lord. He published books. He traveled and did mission work. And yet she was always faithful in her place as a wife and a mother. Each Sunday morning for years, perhaps she would get up. And often she'd get up earlier than her pastor husband who was speaking that morning. And she'd get up to prepare a meal for breakfast for him and for the children. And she would prepare a healthy breakfast and she would prepare for an afternoon lunch. And it wasn't just that she'd prepare enough for her and all of her children and her husband, but she would make a little extra in case there was a wayward traveler that was coming through or someone in the church didn't have a place to go so that she could invite them in and make sure there was enough food for everyone. And even in all of that, this mother took time for each of her children to ensure they had their needs met. She took them every evening for devotions. She'd read with them. She'd pray with them. She'd teach them the ways of the Lord. She'd teach them the songs of worship. She'd teach them children's songs. She'd teach them more songs. She wrote songs and taught them to them. She would take time to school them herself if the public schools proved too much of a bad influence on specific children. She had a personal testimony of how God had touched her life and she rehearsed it to her children. She would tell how the Lord saved her. She would tell how the Lord spoke to her and how the message for her day was the truth. She would tell them how God made it real to her. She would tell them how it was personal, not just what daddy said. It was personal to her. And she would rehearse them. And she knew what it was like to be lost and alone in the world as she wasn't raised in a believing home. She knew what it was to pray and have God answer her prayers. She knew what it was to be sick and need a miracle and have God come down and deliver her in an instant. She knew what it was to have to sit in the nursery in the back in a church service with a crying baby. She knew what it was to have to at least stay at home with sick children. She knew what it was to teach children how to sit in a church pew and how to listen properly so that at a young age they could sit in the very front and listen to their daddy preach. She knew what it was to receive grace, how to give it out as freely as she had received it. 
She wasn't happy with just a sign. Because she had children, those children would be saved. She wasn't happy with just a sensation or a partial fulfillment of the Word of God. She was the woman that knew what it was like to pray through and touch God. This mother knew what it was to instruct her children in the Word of the Lord, and she was diligent in it. She knew what it was to be the fifth gospel, to teach her children the word for her day. Out of all her children that she had, she had two boys in particular that would grow up, that would become ministers of the gospel. One of them being the older one would not just have a gift to minister, but he would have a gift to sing and to write songs. And he'd have a beautiful voice to be able to bless the children of God with. And he would write songs and he would sing and he would worship and he would lead in worship and services and he would preach the gospel. This mother raised this boy this way. Whether she knew or not, he had this gift in his life. She prayed for him that he would. She had a younger son that would come and preach the gospel with power and demonstration. And we know that they both would travel the world and preach the gospel in other countries just like their father. Because of the love and the prayers and the example of real motherhood, of inspired motherhood, these boys would raise up and be Holy Ghost-filled men. Men of God Young man of God, that would take this message to the coming of the Lord, I believe. If you don't know who I'm talking about, I'm talking about my mother, Sister Allison. Without her love and example, I wouldn't be where I am today. She's the one that led me to the grace of God. She's the one that taught me what it was like to have grace. She's the one that taught me what it was like to pray. She's the one that taught me and gave me space. As I've said before, I started studying the Word at eight years old or nine years old right in there. And she's the one who gave me time. And she would allow me to stay in my bedroom in the morning and, and study and to pray. Let me say, I remember getting my Bible. I've only ever had two of them that I use frequently. One of them she'd made out of an old Bible that my older siblings didn't use anymore because it had the cover had come off and things. And she'd taken that cover and she'd sewn on a jean cover. And it looked really cool. And she'd written out with that glue-colored writing the Holy Bible. She made that out of love for me. And I used that Bible until I finally received this Bible I still preach out of today. That I received in 2002 at Christmas time. I still remember getting this Bible. You forgive me for just sharing this personally. You say, Brother Andrew, it's been nearly 10 years ago. Get over it. No, that was a saint of God. And there was an example there that the motherhood that you saw in the Bible is still alive today.
And I remember as I got this Bible, I remember like nothing else. I'd received a few, many gifts in my life. But with this one, she came running right over to me. Myself and my younger sister received a Bible at the same time. She sat between us and right away with a big smile on her face. And she began to just take it and say, listen, this is precious. This is the word of God. When you first open a Bible, you start in the middle. Because you don't want to break this, the bindings in the back. It's a precious book. And then you take it about halfway and you flip to that because you're stretching up the spine in a proper way. And you take it halfway in the beginning and you just keep doing that over and over. And I can tell you right now, the binding in this Bible is still perfect. Because I had a mother that cared about the word of God that wasn't happy with a little child back in 2002. I would have been 10 years old. That would have just got this Bible and just ripped it open and opened the Bible and just started flipping it and wrecked the binding without knowing. But there was a mother that cared to come and to take the time. I remember when she was passing on, I was asked if I'd want anything of hers. I said, I only want two things. I want her notebooks and I want her Bible. I got her rollerblades. So I'll show you how that went. <laughs> it's okay though. Those things are precious to a lot of people in my family, so it's okay. But that was the two things that I wanted. I said, I want her Bible because I know that meant the world to her. And I want her notebooks because the things that are written in there, they're precious. But it was a point. That that was something that meant something to a woman that who walked close, so close to God and that had de that designed her whole life around the things of the Lord and those were things that were precious to her. That was what I wanted. Her life was an example not only to the eight children she raised but also to the entire church and had far-reaching influences. That when she passed, it was as though the whole church had lost a mother. My father being the founding father of the church in Grand Prairie, formerly in Dawson Creek, and my mother was a godly example of what it was like to be a godly wife and mother. And it's been said to me by many that her example is difficult to live up to or even impossible because that's just the way God made her. But I want to tell you that that's the way God made her. That wasn't the way her parents made her. It wasn't because she was such a great person, but because the Holy Ghost got in her. And it inspired her as a mother to raise children for the Lord. To raise children in the right way. See, Brother Andrew, you got siblings that, that aren't serving the Lord. Don't you ever blame my mother for that. Because she raised them in the way that they should go. She poured her heart out, her life out, and gave her life for them. That was for the critics that were thinking that right now. It was the Holy Spirit that molded in her the true character of true womanhood and true motherhood into her soul. Because notice it wasn't with Mary, with this Shulamite woman. When she was there, it wasn't she's vexed in her mind, she's vexed in her spirit, she's vexed in her flesh, she's vexed in her soul. A real mother, it's something that comes out from the inside. It comes right out from the inmost, innermost part of her being from who she really is. It's in her soul. Same with Mary when it said, a sword shall pierce thy soul. Why? Because it wasn't just on the outside saying, oh, it was my baby. No, it was something on the inside that said, but I love him so much. Yeah. 
It's the Holy Spirit that molded that. The thing that shone out of her, the essence of her being that created that welcoming, warm atmosphere around her. And I'll say this, great people, as Brother Panam would say, great people make you feel great. That's a real mother that makes their children feel great. And a real mother who will look at it, no matter that son or that daughter, could turn and with their actions slap their own mother right in the face, and they'll still turn around and love them. And still make them feel great. And still make them feel like the right person. Still make them feel good. And come about it in such a loving way, like only a mother could. As a father, I'll be honest with you, as a father, the love for you wants to take your son and slap him. But you can't do that. And it wouldn't be right anyways. And that wouldn't be the right love. But that's the way it is as a father. You you get so worked up where you feel like, why are you doing that? Why, Why would you possibly do that? But it's the Holy Ghost in a real father that will drive him to his knees. Say, Lord, I don't know what to do. I've got to discipline my son. But Lord, help me to do it in the right way. But it's a mother that's able to get down with a child in love and instruct them. And teach them in the most simple of ways. And it's always incredible to me. Both in my mother and my wife, I see it. Where it just happens, that just, she just sits down and just begins to teach my sons and my daughter and begins to say things and it just softens them. That's God in a woman. That's inspired motherhood. Brother Panam would talk about a, a sister, Sister Dell. When she passed away. And he says this, he says that it would, before he could ever get there, Sister Dell had gone to climb those golden stairs. Before I could get there, she was plucked. He had, God had plucked his rose of color and, and, and to make his bouquet for the millennium. Before I could ever get there, she had gone to meet the Lord, God's expression of his love. Lord, help me. All these years, he'd say, of happy marriage. I'm closing. Just stay with me. All these years of happy marriage was an expression of her loyalty as a wife. To make a home for her husband, for her children, that expressed itself through the hard times when the little fellows around the table, the hard going and the mother, takes a mother to know how to put things together to make it last. When little hungry mouths are around the table, but stand by her husband, loyal, stand by her children. It was an expression of genuine loyalty. That's before every one of you, he said, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't have said that. You know that that's the truth. He said, in her never-failing plea for her children, I don't believe I ever met her or left her without her asking a request for those children. That showed real motherhood. Knowing that life is merely a dream or a preparation place for her children, she wanted to meet them in the land beyond here where there would be no more hard times. She constantly would say to me, she would call me Brother Billy and say, Brother Billy, pray for my children. None of them will be lost. If that isn't just an expression of real motherhood, a mother who is interested in her children, interested in her neighbors, her husband, her loved ones, God in the woman expressing eternal things. Inspired motherhood. God would be in a woman that every time 
she would meet the Lord. I'm just going to take it beyond now to you. Mothers that are streaming in. Is that how we pray for our children? That every time we get before God, Lord, I want to meet them in the land beyond the river. I want to meet them in the millennium. I want to be there with them. Lord, don't let one of them be lost. Don't let one of them have to go through that great tribulation. Don't let one of them have to go through that torment. Whatever it takes. Abraham goes on to say how I sympathize with her husband, my good friends, my good friend, how I sympathize with them boys and hear the message, some of them in Germany in different places. A mother is gone, but she might, she might be gone from your presence here, but she's not dead. She's alive forevermore. She's living in a land where she, where she prayed that each of you would meet her. Don't let her be disappointed. I'm sure she won't. Hallelujah. Real motherhood today. Who cares what the trends of the world say? Take your faith in the Word of God will do more for you and your children than every psychology book, every self-help book, every TV talk show, every ideology the world has today won't touch what God put in the absolute. This is how you raise children with the Holy Ghost in you. Let's stand to our feet. We just bow everyone our heads together, whether you're here, whether you're listening in. Let's bow your heads and just be real reverent where you are. Say, Lord, come by my way. Maybe there's a mother that's listening in. That's, oh, that's all I have left, Brother Andrew. Just a little pot of oil. I feel like I'm at the end of my rope every day. Feel like I'm drowning every day and I can't ever seem to get above water. I know I had an experience in the past, but it seems like that's so far ago. If that's all you got, just take that to the Lord right now. Just put your hands around your children, take them to the Lord right now. Pray with them. Make this a Mother's Day like you've never had a Mother's Day before. Lord, I'm here right now with my children. As I pray with you, Heavenly Father. Lord, you are here in our midst, Lord. Whether it be just one little child, whether it be your first, whether it be two or three, whether there be eight children. Lord, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're the same one, oh God, when Mary would look up see her little boy dying on a cross, not understanding that what is happening. But Lord, tonight we want to pray, Lord, and put these children into your hands. And Father God, that you would inspire the mothers that are laying their hands on their children right now where they're at, in their homes, oh God, that it would be made an altar dedicated to the Word of God. Lord, that it would be a place that you could move in their homes. 
Father, forgive me. I got out of line. But Lord Jesus, you're moving. And when you move, you really move. Lord, may you birth these children, Lord, if you would tarry. May they be real sons and daughters of God. May they come to a point where these mothers have to say, they're not my children anymore. They're your children, Lord. And we put them in your hands. We dedicate them afresh, Lord. Help the mothers, Lord Jesus, to be faithful. Lord Jesus, just to keep pouring in the oil. Lord, that no matter how many it seems their children are just empty vessels, may they keep pouring in the oil, Lord Jesus. May they keep pouring in the oil. When it seems like there's no hope, may they just keep pouring in the oil. Lord, you're the one that gives the increase. You're the one that catches the revelation. You're the one, oh God, that causes the eyes to look up. You're the one, Lord Jesus, that lifts up the hearts of man. You're the one, oh God, that saves the souls of lost and dying men. Father God, help us each one. We love you. We love that you love us. And you're in our homes and you care for our little ones. You care for our mothers, Lord. Even when they seem like they're drowning, you still care. You still want to reach down your hand and lift them up just a little higher. Father, would you have grace again to do just that tonight? We commit these things into your hands in Jesus' name. If we could sing that song together. Sing it as father, sing it as mothers. Lord, I'm giving my life away. It's not my own, it's not what I can do, it's not how I can raise children. But Lord, let me raise these children for you. Like Hannah, said, Lord, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. God gave you those children. God gave you the fruit of your womb. I'd encourage you, give it back to him. Say, Lord, help me raise these little ones for you. Whether they're little, whether they're older, maybe they're struggling with something in their life as young people. Maybe they're struggling and they're wishing, wishing they could come back to the Lord even now. Maybe you could just reach out in prayer and say, Lord, remember these. They're still my baby. Amen. Like Mary, 33 and a half years old, Jesus dying on the cross. To her, that was still her baby. But she had to recognize that was God and it was beyond what she could do. Maybe it's beyond your control, but you want to reach out to God and say, Lord, you're moving. So help me, Lord. Lord, I'm giving my life away. Lord, I'm giving my life away. Laying it down on the altar. Yeah.
least I can offer is my all. So here I stand today, giving my life.